Everybody, welcome to the Effects Loop. I'm Chris. I'm Marissa. I'm Diaz. I'm Scott. And we're keeping you in the loop of the guitar community. This episode's brought to you by Lambertone Pickups. They sent us in the Cremas for us to try out. Um, they're a PAF style pickup and they, they sound absolutely amazing. Go give them a, a follow on Instagram. Go look at their website. Give them. Dang it. Just check them out. That works. <laughs> I'm a, Ever since you brought them up, I've been seeing them all over the place. Uh, their yeah. social media presence is getting pretty big. Yeah, uh, it seems that they're really making a big push. Like we said in the last episode, they're pretty fairly new, but they're, I mean, they make an amazing product. So, I mean, I hope they get out there and, and a lot of people pick them up. It seems that they're going to be really, I'd say they're going to be really big in the uh, praise and worship community. They kind of cater towards that. And, you know, there's quite a few different pickups. There's a lot of single coils out there and everything. But, I mean, the humbuckers, you know, there I don't see a whole lot of, the boutique catered towards praise and worship musicians. So, so. all right. And then we're going to go uh, on what's new with everybody. So we'll start with Chris. What's new with you? I sold my semi prized possession of my 1984 TS nine. Oh, th- yeah, yeah. That was a big hoopla <laughs> about your shipping, wasn't it? Or, yeah, and everyone was like, oh, just throw it in a bag. It'll be fine. It's like, um, no, not a $250 pedal that I really can't afford to uh, replace for somebody or refund if it shows up broken. Yeah, so well, they're getting insurance and a signature. So. That's Marissa's uh, <laughs> shopping money, and she would not be happy. Yeah, really. She'll cut <laughs> you. Right, Marissa? <laughs> wow. No. No, you won't cut him? Lies. I think she'll cut you. <laughs> I know my wife. Will. If I go silent for more than like five minutes, you all know what happened. We need to get like an emergency button that you can hit that just sounds an alarm on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then um, Chris, you got that sold. Wait, well, here's my question. When does, at what point is a TS9 a vintage TS9? What's the year? What's like, usually there's like a year before and after. I feel like i've seen everything like pre 89 like 89 is like the starting year before it becomes vintage is there it, something the significant all, that changed i the what year did stevie ray vaughn die i think that was the year no i think that has more to do with like the chipset that's in it the jrc 455 something like that um that's the chip that my 84 had and everything pre ah, shoot i want to say 85 had that chip and then they went to something super similar uh for the rest of the night for the 80s and then the 90s they switched to some cheaper thing when they moved production to indonesia or korea yeah yeah because maxin that's that's where the, the, the big change comes while, is the production did you have something to say? You're waving at me. Okay. <laughs> She's got a knife. That's a knife in her hand, Chris. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the effects loop. Other the, than the hostile 
uh, why <laughs> stabbing oh. Chris podcast. That's, that's, uh, we, uh, yeah, because I, I always thought that was kind of weird. So that's like, uh, take away the screwdriver. Because the rat, the, what is it, the LM308 uh, chip is the one that people are s- kind of sought after on that. Is that the right one, Scott? Anyone know? I'm not a big rat guy, so. I uh, have never played a rat. What? How yeah. have you guys never? The woodcutter is like my favorite rat pedal of all time. Um, which I can't believe. Scott, did you not play the woodcutter over at uh, Nam last year? Uh, yeah, I tried it out. Yeah, I did the whole big ear um, booth and tried all their stuff out. I liked it. I just, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things of like, it's good. It's just not good for what I'm doing. Yeah, I think my obsession with Dave Grohl really helps with that because that was kind of his rig setup for a while was a, a rat into an AC-30, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. So I like the well, tones that I can get out of it. Yeah, and I'm having a similar effect right now with uh, I have a JHS um, kilt, like the mm-hmm. V1 kilt, and it's like I love it on its own in isolation, you know, or like trying it with other stuff, and then I like I put it into my board mm-hmm. and – I don't touch it. It just doesn't fit with like my what usual what I do. Yeah, it's kind of how my Pelotar is. It just sits on the board unless I like super need something. Speaking of JHS version ones, that kind of leads into Scott's. What's new-ish? Yeah, I'm still waiting on it. Um, there was a fire sale over at the GH- JHS uh, Reverb store. I picked up a unicorn for 99 bucks. I'm really looking forward to trying it. I, I remember when they announced it, and I thought it was cool. I thought it sounded really good. Um, I've been wanting to try it since. I just haven't really had the opportunity. So I figured, you know, this was a good opportunity. I'd probably be able to get my money back on the used market if I don't like it. Yeah, because yeah. you could sell that for $100 all day every day. I think so. I think they were going for like 150 um, on the used market, I mean, temporarily that's going to get all thrown off by all these. Yeah, everyone want, buying one and flipping one. So, I want to see Reverb's uh, the price guide go on that. It's going to plummet. <laughs> it's going to be like the it stock didn't market with crash. the kilt though. It didn't. So, like, uh, yeah, when they did the V2 kilt and they they cleared out the V1s, they they did a similar fire sale and like everyone jumped on board. But I didn't really see the used market take that big of a hit because I think, frankly, a lot of people said, all right, if I'm going to flip it, I'm going to wait a month. Well, the weird thing about the V1 and V2 kilt is it's kind of like the, uh, was it Bondi effects, the Del Mar and the breaker pedal, which isn't a blues breaker, by the way, which kind of throws me off. Yeah. But Meaning that my kilt's going to be worth $500 in three months? I, not, I, I didn't mean like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> what I meant was <laughs> they sold them. And there was a bunch of people. There was one guy who ordered, like, two V1s, and he got, like, a V2, and he was mad. He's like, I wanted the V1. Is is the boost no longer independent on the V2? Uh, on the V2, the red remote does one of the gain channels. It doesn't do the boost. And so it doesn't have a boost on it, so that's why people are... Yeah. Is, uh, the, is the V1 independent channel, or, or is it an independent boost, or does the kilt have to be on to use the boost? Uh, it's independent and you can flip order too. So it can be after the gain or before it. Oh, see, that's why everyone wants the V1 because it actually has, it seems like the V2, they kind of went backwards on it. They should have had it where the, uh, I mean, they should have at least done like Matthew's effects and had two switches on there. Like you could have put one up towards the top and had a boost 
that was still independent. So, because that's like the biggest complaint with the uh, Full Tone, Full Drive Two, is that the boost wasn't independent. And I think mm. I think all the, I think the Full Drive Three still it wasn't independent, or did they move it to independent on that? I think they moved it to independent. Because that was JHS's biggest mod on the Full Tone. I mean, I don't think they ever tweaked any yeah. of the actual drive circuit. They just made the they turned the boost into a JHS mini bomb or whatever it's called, mm. and made it independent. So. Marissa, do you have anything new? Well, I'm starting to plan out my baseboard. Ooh. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, so I'm going to really on? quick, I'm going to interject with my what's new because your what's new ties into our, our news, kind of. So kind of. my new thing is actually pretty simple. I got a new cable from Sinusoid. Yay. Sinusoid. So, Sin- Sinusoid. Pro Audio Coutures. She sounds um, hideous. <laughs> As I'm sitting here recording on all sinusoid audio cables. Yeah. So um, for a while, I was a big uh, person of a different company that we won't name. Um, but I just recently had to find a new cable supplier. And I moved to Sinusoid because one of my good friends, Albert Mills, uh, started working for him. And Albert's been a... A good friend of mine for a little, uh, for a while now. He's really helped me whenever I needed something. He was the guy I could call. So I've been uh, changing my cables for my wireless system, uh, as Scott likes to say, my wired wireless. Yeah, so, really. um, but they they just got me a new. It's a foot long uh, cable, twelve inches. In case you don't want to sound like a hot dog, twelve inch cable, quarter, and it's specially made for my uh, line six. It's got a locking quarter inch on one end and a right angle quarter end on the other so i'm get i get them to match my guitars so and nice. then so marissa you're starting your baseboard have you bought anything yet no not yet are you, you should using try anything a- that we currently have oh what are you using anything that we currently have no okay yay so it's just a board wallet. sitting there <laughs> Yeah, but, are you uh, reasoning our old creation board? Yes. Sweet. So shout out to John Snyder, who's got creation boards all throughout this podcast. Except for Scott, who's over there alone. Yeah, I'm one of those boring people with a pedal train still. Ew. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> <Nasty>. <laughs> but uh, so uh, what you could look into is the first thing in our gear news. TC announced the Spectre Drive. Scott, you tell us more about it because you're the one who actually found it. Yeah, I saw this. Uh, uh, this came to us, frankly, from Music Radar. So shout out to them. Uh, linking back to their main website. It looks like TC is really going after the Sansamp market now, um, transferring some of their solid state stuff from uh, both their uh, their heads for their bass amps. And uh, I think there's, there's tone print on this thing. I mean, this looks pretty feature packed at its price point. Okay, the tone print yeah. is like the coolest thing about TC Electronics pedals. Like the not the smorgasbord line, since they don't have it, but a lot of their. Uh, I had the Flashback X4, in uh, a Hall of Fame. I had a Trinity at some one point, and the. I couldn't imagine that'd be pretty cool. Imagine like a Sans amp style pedal, with being able to beam in someone else's sound. Yeah, at least, especially if they come out with, like, a standard guitar version instead of just jumping into bass. 
Well, they TC Electronics really has been catering to the guitar player lately. I think moving, adding some to the bass is pretty cool. Yeah. I like how this has, like, an aux in and phone head jack. Headphone jack. Yeah, this, like, can be everything. I mean, yeah. I a number of the bass players that I work with um, don't own amps anymore. Um, especially in the church world, a lot of guys just don't use um, any onstage amp. They just plug in direct using a Sans amp or a number of the other kind of competing products in that realm. And uh, so not having an amp for practice or anything even, I mean, this can do it all if you have headphones and an aux in. I think I saw, hold on, I'm looking at pictures of it. You can change where your gain is. Or the, it says line driver, you can do pre or post. Instru- oh, that's your, I wonder if you can change where your uh, pedals, like your, it says your gain is pre and post. I might not know what I'm talking about though. <laughs> so it's got a built-in two drive, a built-in compressor, high, low, mid, treble. Seems like you could do pretty much anything with this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the control layout is pretty similar. I have a bass driver DI um, that is on my air quotes up here baseboard. Um, it's really, I just, I found it broken on Craigslist and fixed it. So I got it really cheap and I've just used that as kind of a loner. Like I never actually play bass live anywhere. So uh, I just, I loan it out to the guys to use. And uh, very similar control layout. What I like about this is it has a bypass and a drive. Um, so like the basic bass driver is either on off. Um, so that includes all your EQ that, in- that included all that. And then there was like the deluxe bass driver, which had like three or four presets or like a loop or there, mm-hmm. there was a few different versions of it, but this is like as compact as a bass driver. DI has that independent drive channel and the EQ. So this can, oh, it has an auxiliary. Be really good. That's pretty. Yeah. Cool. And it looks like it has a compressor in it, too. So, I mean, what more do you need for basic bass playing? Let's see. Smart EQ, they imported the intelligent EQ section from their much-loved BH-800 bass head and re-engineered it to be an even more robust tone-shaping tool. That's pretty cool. I mean, TC Electronics has always had pretty uh, decent recording gear, too. I mean, like yeah. uh, studio quality. That's where gear. they started. Yeah. Wasn't a lot of their stuff pretty high end? Like it was pretty expensive stuff, wasn't it? They were really early to the reverb world. Yeah. And so like a TC rack mounted reverb was like the studio like golden product for a little while there. But and I, I kinda wanna go back to the tone print aspect of this. When you think about like this might be the only pedal that a bass player uses. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's true. literally tone printing a celebrity's rig pretty much mm-hmm. so uh, that's that's pretty significant it's not just like uh like i have a tc trinity the the, mm-hmm. the big cathedral reverb and yeah i can get tone prints of like various artists on that but it's just like just their reverb sound i still don't have their drive section i still don't have this you know all the other things that make up their sound i don't have yet this is like pretty much it if you're doing a simplified bass rig They've got quite a few artists already on here, like uh, quite a few bass players that I'm not, not a whole lot of them are names that are recognizable to me. That's because I'm not a bass player, but I mean, it seems like you've already got a bunch of artists already in on it. 
they've got there's got to be at least close to 30 tone prints available oh wow so i mean that's interesting i mean that's pretty cool so i mean and some of the tone prints become more popular let's see uh reverb tc electronics if you've had a tone print everyone will tell you to do room with a view it's one of their best tone prints um their flashback series i think rob scallions from fuel actually had quite a few on there that were really cool um if you haven't listened to a whole lot of rob scallion he's an amazing guitar player and he has a lot of good sounding stuff so their tone print that's probably one of the most underrated technologies i'd say that has come out within like recent history yeah, it's always fun holding your cell phone up to your guitar pickup and making all the weird noise and everyone thinking you're crazy. It's like it's almost like the, the reminiscence of the AOL dial-up sound. Oh, so similar, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was... Uh, I think they're really going to move... If they move harder into the bass world, it'll be really cool because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of new innovation for bass players. I mean... The guitar players, yeah, there's new stuff. With that. There's new stuff coming out every week. Every company is coming out with something, something, something. But very rarely do you see something coming out for bass that's not a total stick. I mean, the, the, if they're coming out with something for bass, it's either something that's already been done, or it's something that is like so outlandish that the only person who will use it is a guy who wears all cow print stuff and sings country songs. <laughs> Don't let the hat fool you. Don't let the hat fool you. <laughs> um, so, and then uh, we also saw in recent news, Diodario, I saw this. I was pretty stoked about it until I talked to Scott and he squashed my dreams. Was the Diodario. I'm not too impressed by it either, by the way. So. Well, you know what? I, I didn't ask you. You can be out of tune. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to be out of tune. Uh, Diodario. I have a tuner on my board like a normal person. I have a tuner on my let's, Kemper. Let's introduce it before so. we do, guys. Let's, let's let's introduce it before we <laughs> totally just slag it here. <laughs> We're a slugfest. We haven't even. <laughs> so Diodario came out with a new headstock tuner. It actually screws on if your tuning peg has one of the small screws, kind of like a a Gibson uh, tuning peg. Uh, some of the Fender tuning pegs. Uh, I don't know any other ones really off the top of my head, but a lot of them have the little small screws that screw in at two or one point. You screw it onto that so it doesn't fall off. So it's kind of like a clip-on tuner, but it's taking away the whole problem with the tuner not staying clipped on. you got a lot of people who want to play and move around a lot. Tuners fall off. Um, I thought it was neat because it solved a problem. Most A lot of people are coming out with stuff that doesn't solve problems anymore. A lot of people love clip-on tuners. I use one all, not all the time on my electrics, but all the time on acoustics. Um, electrics, it really depends. I usually use my Kemper for tuning, or I have my Line 6 G70 has a built-in tuner. And if I need to mute, I'll use that. If I'm kind of playing and I hear something out of tune and I'm looking for it, I'll use my Kemper. But acoustic, I always have one on the headstock because none of my acoustics have built-in tuners. So I think it's a really cool uh, problem solver for people who don't run boards and don't have a tuner on the ground or people who move around away from their board a lot. If uh, I'm trying to think. There's a guitar player. His name's uh, Casper, and he plays uh, in Casper's 911 band down in Atlanta, who I've talked to online a few times. I believe he moved to headstock tuners. He moves around a lot. That guy does not stay in the same place on his stage. 
So I think it solves a problem. So you guys can go on and hate on it now, and I'm going to sit back and eat my quesadilla. Okay. So, so my initial thought was, um, so I'm familiar with its predecessor. So this is actually, the full name is the NS Micro Clip Free Tuner is the mm. new version. Um, the old version of the NS Micro uh, has this kind of click lock um, clamp mechanism. So it's not the typical, like, uh, where it has a, a, a spring in it and it has a kind of counter force that you got to adjust. This just has a, a very slim piece of plastic that just kind of clamps down and tries to lock in place. Um, so one of the guys I play with, he does, he has one of those and has it on his Martin and it falls off all the time. So that's kind of where my, my first impression of this product came from. Uh, so having it screw into a tuning peg, you know, and have it be semi-permanent like that is an improvement and, uh, understand where that comes from. Uh, my grievance with it is that they raised the price from $12 to $20 on the product? Actually, the prices are all over the place. Are they really? Uh, Musician Friends has it for $34.95. Reverb has it for $20. Sweetwater has it for $25. Okay. So so you're saying there's room for flip at the $20 price? Uh, From somebody that does not like the concept, because I would have to buy, like, five of them at $20, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to so, have one uh, yeah. on every guitar. Well, there's that. I would feel like scenario. I would. You got to go to go for uniformity. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Is that a real word? I could or just I get rid- things up. No, that's ah. a word. Okay, cool. Because then I could just get rid of my pedal tuner. Oh, see, I still can't get rid of that because uh, my pedal tuner is my buffer. What are you using? I have a, a boss? separate buffer. I, I have a TU three on both my boards. What buffer are you using, Chris? Uh, it's a this one's mine mini buffer. Oh, okay, okay. I've never had yeah, a buffer. And it has a, so. Yeah, mine's split, so my like volume or my uh, tuner isn't even in like my signal chain. You run it out of a EB uh, the EB Junior. No, the buffer has a split. Oh, so like my setup is, yeah. So it's like wireless system into the buffer, and that splits into the rest of the board and tuner. Okay. Yeah. Well, the issue, like, the thing about the the clip-on tuner, I think, is it's more of one of those things. Either you get it, or you you like it, or you don't. There's not a lot of people who are kind of middle of the road on it. They just they like clip-on tuners or they don't but i think this is one of the things that's just solving a problem like you said the uh, Martin guy, I... he says it falls everywhere the, the only yeah. thing is is that i think that if you're looking at the price i get it it's twenty dollars minimum to uh to have a tuner on one guitar so then you have to move it to other but i think it's more i, I don't think it's a replacement for a floor tuner or having a rack tuner or whatever other tuner you're going to use. I think it's more of for the people who have, especially for people who use multiple guitars like Chris or myself, I've got three electrics that I use. Uh, Scott, how many do you have? Have you lost count yet? Ten. Do you really have ten electric (laughs) guitars? Can you name all of them? It's like having kids. Can you name them all? <laughs> if you can't name them all, you need to get rid of one. 
Uh, yeah, I'm 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 in the process right now of rethinking my apartment because I'm running out of space. And, he's just gonna uh, buy a house. He's like, he's like, I bought a house because I gotta, I want more guitars. No, um, I'm I'm trying to get I'm trying to downsize the collection a little bit right now. Um, because some of these were just given to me, so um, I I'm just fixing them up and getting rid of them. Um, but hmm. yeah, I I need to. I have too many instruments. So this is this is the goes for our next episode. It's called Intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge of the Intervention is that what we can yeah. call it? Revenge of the Scott. Revenge uh, of they the can Scott. sell everything. Yeah. That's, it. That's where we talk with about special house. guest Dave Ramsey, and we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I think we would all tune out at that point. <laughs> I, I get I've got they're actually doing a Dave Ramsey thing like at my church and I feel like I should go because I'm not responsible enough with my finances but then I think about it and I, I can't keep track of all those dang envelopes so they're like you have an yeah. envelope for this you have an envelope for that I'm like where's do I have an envelope for my envelopes like, what we, the only envelope I need should. is an envelope filter so <laughs> nice uh, so yeah rounding back to this topic I, I can see owning one for your one acoustic I get that. Like that's real. I think that's really the market for this thing. Um, I say yeah. if you have a tailor, you're out of luck because tailors don't have that's that screw. Yeah, neither does tuners. my Firebird. So, do guitar gods influence our gear? I yes, yes Scott, and no. Scott, <laughs> I want to. I want to. Scott just talked about I, his John Mayer Strat last week, so let's hear I this did. one. Yes, uh, I, I would say yes and no. Um, I would say guitar gods get us to look at gear. And there is sometimes that piece of gear is an important part of their sound. Sometimes it's not. So, um, like, do I care what Jack White is playing right now? Um, enough to talk about it on a podcast, and that's I'm, I'm going to forget about the EHF, EVH Wolfgang after this. Um <laughs> Like it, that's just what it is, because Jack White is not my guitar god. Now I saw Mute Math play a few months back. It, it was a Halloween show, and they pulled out that harmony that they have with the three three gold foils, and I'm just like lusting after it. Just I've never played it. I have no idea how if that thing is actually a good piece of equipment or not. But I'm like, dang, that thing's cool. I want to try it out. So I don't know. I I have a John Mayer Strat. I have a Jazzmaster because I love Nels Klein. I have a an Epiphone Century um, that James Bay was running around with, um, and that got me looking at it. And then I played it, and I was like, "Whoa, this is a whole different animal." And I started liking it because of what the guitar was, not because I was trying to look like James Bay. Yeah, he did that beautiful song, and it was just kind of lame. So. That was James Blunt. <laughs> <laughs> but they're both British, right? Yes. Okay, there you go. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> That's racist. Uh, so, I, I I, mean, Chris, you and The Edge? Um, more of like, re- more recently, it's more like me and Billy Joe Armstrong, but at the same oh, yeah. time, for when I'm like doing P&W, yes, it's still The Edge. So, I mean, I have my Strat. I have an AC-30 clone. But at the same time, I still have my two juniors and needing, like, a Marshall Plexi. 
So here's another discussion to get Chris riled up. Is Billy Joe Armstrong considered a guitar god? <laughs> I love the sigh. I would, of just first two no, words. I'd answer that question, right? Actually, I would honestly say no. I would have to say no. Because you Who's... have people like Keith Urban that used Junior or used back in like the 05 to 2012 era. Um, so that was like the original big reason I wanted Juniors. And then getting into Green Day more, that just more solidified it. Dude, I wanted a, a melody maker because Joan Jett. Like, she made those guitars look just rock and roll mm-hmm. and that's what I, I always i've a lot of my guitars so i play i'll have to say yes 100 percent. guitar gods influence our gear 100 percent. yeah the reason why i own an sg is because the I, I remember the moment i wanted to pick up a guitar i was watching I, my friend jay sent me he let me or he let me listen to some acdc and i got acdc live at donnington and if you've ever seen that DVD, it's one of the most. That's the reason I picked up a guitar. Chris Slade's on drums, hitting the hi-hat. Angus Young comes out, holds his hand up, holding the pick. And um, just the crowd goes nuts. Mm-hmm. And Thunderstruck. And my first, one of my first guitars I ever got was an Epiphone SG400. And my SG that I own today, 100%, was influenced because of Angus Young. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I can play most of his stuff, but that's like the one of the main reasons. My Firebird. Um, I always loved the way that. Um, oh man, what's his name? The, the really, the albino white guy. Johnny Winter. <laughs> that's it. You, you laugh, but you knew who I was talking about. <laughs> Johnny Winters. He played one, and they looked phenomenal. They looked rock and roll. And I had my Telecaster because of Prince. So I'd have to say 100% Guitar Gods influenced our gear. I mean, now, now can, I, can I reframe the question? Is it yeah. Guitar God at a time with a specific guitar? Or is it whatever they're playing currently? So like we talked about John Mayer switching to PRS um, recently. I haven't ran out and bought a Paul Reed Smith. We, I think we identify with a certain period of their musical career that influenced a certain time in our life. So, like, John Mayer Continuum album. Like, that sound. I, dude, I saw John Mayer on the Continuum tour. That yeah. sound will always be something that... I saw him with... Uh, who's the blonde chick that left Lance Armstrong? Cheryl Crow. She... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll get there. I saw him and Cheryl Crow. Uh, I saw them live. And that was the moment that I always, I fell in love with John Mayer as a guitar player. So. I would have to say. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was going to say, well, my examples aren't exactly the best because. Like the edge has always used a strat. He has always used. The Explorer, you know, and 90% of the time, Billy Joe has used either a junior or strat. I think Marissa would probably agree with me on this, is that it kind of, for our influences, it probably doesn't matter as much, right? So if Ernie Ball came out with a Billy Joe Armstrong model, 
it would depend on what it looked like because at the same time i still don't want to get something i'm not fully you know in love with mm-hmm. like oh, the edge plays the uh, old casinos i'm not a f- huge fan on those so i would probably not get one unless it was like vintage stupid good deal and you know i was in the place of like you know sure why not i'll try it but it's not one of those as it's gonna run out and get Hmm. you have something to say i do okay (laughs) okay so you say that but you still would buy it because his name is on it. Oh, getting called out by the wife. Are we talking about like the signature Edge Strat? No. No. A Billy Joe signature, anything. I still feel like I would probably say no just because I'm not a huge fan. It's like you with Adam Clayton. Would you buy his Warwick? Or would you rather have his jazz bass? His jazz bass. Okay. Because you're not a fan of how the Warwick looks. Or is it the price tag? Uh, Probably the price tag. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the price tag has a big influence. That's like, uh, I want, (laughs) I really bad want an Ernie Ball Luke. Um, Because Steve Lukather is honestly one of the, uh, he's a guitar god of mine. Um, he's been on so many albums. I mean, anything with Toto, he's, he's a phenomenal guitar player. Um, I mean, he was on a lot of Michael Jackson stuff, a lot of, you know, the, the main guitar stuff that you think of Michael Jackson, it's going to be Steve and, but the price tag on him's kind of up there. Mm -hmm. Mm Okay, we can cut this awkward. We can cut the awkward silence in post. (laughs) I'm getting like stared at. So, we need to give you guys a break for a minute, or yeah, we'll link for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go ahead. I would say yes. To to the whole thing in general. Of buying it just because somebody's name's on it. No. What's the topic? Do guitar gods influence our gear? Okay. Okay, we're going back to the main topic. Gotcha. I would say yes. Well, yeah. I think we all kind of agreed on that. Yeah, I think it's just we 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 disagree on what level. If it has yeah. a name on it, are you going to buy it just because it has a name? Or are you going to buy that style because you saw them play it? That's like, I mean, I've got my, my Telecaster's a Fender American Deluxe. I mean, Prince didn't play a Fender. He, his original... <laughs> was a, a honer and then uh he had a a luthier re- replicated a few times and then he's got the cloud guitar which Schechter. i want one huh i think the cloud guitar was a Schechter, if i'm not mistaken i think Sounds you are right. mistaken no 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 With no no church, it was made though. no 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 uh yeah it'll church i mean it's cloud gods <laughs> and clouds and <laughs> i can listen Just i can make this there is a cloud I can make this theologically relevant. If not, I'll get Cody Fields on here, and he'll make it happen for me. So, because no one wants to debate that man theolo- in theology. If you no. don't know who that is, that's the owner of Westminster Effects, and 
It's nothing better than being friends with him and seeing him debate people online. It's too much fun. So, um, <laughs> so I guess we all agree. Yes. Just at what level are we going to actually, yeah. um, but we, we're going to actually hit, um, our final topic, main and final topic, main and final topic is, uh, cloning. So, um, we talking, I think we're going to talk more about the ethics of cloning. You know, we've all kind of agreed that there's about three different styles of, of petals the that big, get cloned. The big three. Well, the big let's, three. let's start by defining what a cloned petal is. Okay. For... I'd say I personally think a clone petal is a derivative of an existing petal that can be traced back farther. That can be traced to an original circuit. So like so the, a, their version of insert their version of a product that at one point was groundbreaking or new or is a like um, industry standard. Yeah. So the tube screamer TS eight oh eight TS nine. I think we said the Klon. and the blues breaker and the blues breaker. So and I think and, and everyone it's not exclusive to just that either. I mean, there's oh, no. there's chorus clones. Uh, TC famously did one very recently. Uh, the dimension, yeah. Yep, so it, I have both. There, there's there's various like there's part for part 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 for part. I, that's a hard thing to say, and we're going to cut that out later. Uh, <laughs> we can fix that in post. Yeah, we'll, we'll fix say that in three post. more times fast, and we'll pick the best. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, <laughs> Beetlejuice. Uh, yeah, we'll get um, there. There's like we're gonna make this circuit exactly the way it is, and it's gonna be a complete reproduction, um, down to even like magic diodes and transistors, and then there's like the we're trying to get the sound and recreate it, um, using well, modern techniques too. I mean, so there's there's just a whole wide gambit of what gets lumped into this clone term. See, my thing is, is if you're doing a part for part recreation, that's a copy. Yeah. Okay. If you're doing something, if you're like, all right, so JHS is famous for saying, you know, we took this pedal that we loved, but we made it sound the way we feel like it should sound. That's a clone, in my opinion. You're, you're taking the original circuit and you're changing something in it to make it sound what you consider better. Right. And then... I would agree with that. So... And then copies are direct copies. And then if you're, I, I don't think there's anything that could be considered. Um, I think those are your two main categories. There's not a whole lot of anything different besides, unless you take the pedal and you try to make it something and you make it, you butcher it. Then you just made a crappy copy. But, which those have been done before too. Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. the crappy copy is the magic one. This is true too. When did that happen? Um, Lots of times. Yeah. (laughs) In my personal experience, if you want to consider, like, the Ibanez TS5, like, from the Sound Tank series, if you want to consider that, like, their cheap take on, like, their more expensive circuit, that's the best out of all my other, like, non-standard 808 TS9 but I would the problem I have the problem is is it's the same company making it I would say that a clone or a clone is whenever a different company makes it there right. there is this whole intellectual property component of this and I, I 
we were trying to hold off and get into the ethics part of it, but like where the law applies versus where the ethics applies to it, because ethics are rules that we have that supersede or are on top of laws. They're not doing something unethical is not always illegal. You know, one of those yeah. kind of scenarios. So that is where most of this kind of controversy seems to come up is a another company is creating something that one company created and when is that okay and when is that not okay i'd say it's one of the big things that i consider being okay and not okay is if you're making a pedal i think jhs did it this really well with their clone jhs said as long as bill from clone isn't making the clone we'll make our clone. And once the clone, the clone KT, I'm going to mix those up. The clone KTR came out, JHS stopped making the clone. And it's kind of funny because I'm actually using JHS as a positive example on cloning whenever they get usually shed in a negative light. Um, mm -hmm. Thanks to just craziness in the guitar community. But um, that's like, okay, so blues breakers does, does Marshall still make a blues breaker pedal? Does Marshall still make any pedals? I, think I don't they've think they stopped. I think they they've stopped. They're making cell phones now and cell phone speakers and uh, refrigerators. Yep. So, so their Bluetooth speaker is actually pretty good. It is. Is it? Yeah, I have a buddy yeah. who has it. Huh. Wasn't it like expensive as all get out? Oh yeah, yeah. Was it worth it? Uh, I didn't pay for it. I enjoy it when we have a barbecue. <laughs> okay. So I think my, one of my things is I don't, I wouldn't say it's a make or break stipulation, but it's heavily considered as if the pedal in question is still in production, but the, or the, and that gets superseded whenever they're doing something with the pedal that isn't, um, isn't being made by the original company and is different enough that you could put it out and not people not really know what it is. You know what I mean? There's a lot of pedals that are like, you've got a blues breaker pedal, the King of tone. All right. It's a blues breaker circuit style, mm -hmm. but people don't really consider it like that. You know what I mean? It's not like they're like, Oh, yeah. well that's just, that's analog man's blues breaker. No, that's the King of tone. That's the Prince of tone. That's just what it is. And I think if you've, gotten far enough away from the original design where it's kind of become its own thing then it's okay now if you're putting it out there and you're using artwork that's super similar um you're not even trying to cover up the fact that it's almost a direct copy then it's almost kind of an arrogant smug thing um the centura drive from sierra tone I think they're based in Malaysia, so they can get away with it yeah. legally. Yeah. Ethically, I probably wouldn't buy one. Number one, but it's the Klon's actually... not in production anymore. But the KTR yeah. is. Yeah, but this is like how. So just quick googling here. Um, I didn't know this, but the Marshall pedals are still in production. Um, those Does big old metal still ones. Carry them though. I don't know, but. That's crazy because I still have a jackhammer from that series. Is it's it the great... silver series? Yeah, the, they're yeah. heavy as a tank, but they make the oh, blues yeah. breaker too. So technically, Marshall still makes a blues breaker. 
but because okay. it's not that generation anymore, is it okay? Whereas like how like the Klon Centaur is no longer in production as a Centaur. There is the KTR, which is arguably different, um, but also still the same idea from the same company. So has has that line been crossed now? Well, the thing, I think what's happened with the guitar industry or the pedal industry, uh, Womp- all right, so I'm going to use Wampler as a example. They have the Tumnus, Tumnus, mm-hmm. however you want to pronounce it. Um, that is a Klon style pedal. And a lot of people says it sounds really close to a Klon, the Centaur. The main, my main thing is though, is they don't, another part is they don't advertise it with a, the only thing similar is it's gold and it has a mythical creature on it. So I would say that they're kind of staying away from it. Now, um, Matthew's effects for a while had their clone, K-L-O-N-E. You know what that is. So it was mm-hmm. about the same way as JHS. Matthew's effects had something shooting something. I think it, Chris, do you know what it was? Was it an no. actual, like, it looked like a centaur. It looked like a mythical creature with a bow and arrow, which was on the clone centaur. Now mm-hmm. that's something which he no longer produces it. He he revamped it and called it. I think it's the Arte- architect. Yeah, that's his. That's his clone. It's a three band EQ. That's another change, and that's a change with Wampler they did. You, Only on the, the deluxe three... did they do that though. The yeah. original yeah. Tumnus was. It, it's just differently voiced, but it's doing a similar effect. Yeah, but it's it's a three band EQ. Once again, you're you're going far enough kind of away from it. You can tell what it's influenced by. But you're moving away from it. But my one of my arguments on cl- on cloning is a lot of these effects are going to be... It's kind of like how amps... A lot of amps are based off of amps that were found in an RCA catalog. I mean, Fender, Marshall, and Vox. Those are your, like, three yeah. that you're, you're going to be off of. And, I mean, all of Marshall's sound like a Marshall... I mean, a little different, but, like, they all have the same close sound. Fenders have that Fender clean sound. Pedals, you've got the Klon, the TS9, and the... Uh, the drive pedals, you've got the Klon, the TS9, and the Centaur. That's like delay pedals. You've got a, a D-bucket, you know, you know, Brigadier, you've got this. There's not a whole lot that you're moving away from, but you're able to make your take on it. Yeah. It's kind of like there's only so many chords you can play. But it's the the way in which you move the chords, it's the notes, and it's the order you play them play them in and the timing. All right. There's only so many frets on a guitar. All right. So let me ask you this, since you're talking about like the differences, JHS has the muffaletta, which is like what nine different fuzzes. Yeah. You have the. Well, hold on. It's, it's not nine. It's not. It's nine different big muffs. Pie. Okay, so yeah, it all one's similar pedal, and you have the bonsai, which is nine tube screamers, and then you have the earthquaker palisades, which is infinity different versions. Yeah, would you consider those still different enough, or would you still consider those more of a direct copy and just having different takes? I guess. 
I have less of an issue with those just because they're not doing like a part for part or like direct substitution for any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the like I have a muffaletta, so obviously I, I'm a little biased here. Or I I don't feel ethically wrong with that one, right? Uh, it's fun. It was it was a it was like my first muff pedal, so like I I didn't know which kind I wanted, and so it was kind of the safe bet to get of like I can Fair. try all of these. Yeah. Um, I I'll be honest with the every demo I've heard of the bonsai, I can't really hear much of a difference between all the different tube screamers. That that's just kind of my opinion of it, so I'm not mm, I'm not really yeah. interested in it. I think it's a cool pedal, and I also because those circuits are so complicated, what they had to do with um, with all the electrical engineering, relay switching, all that kind of stuff, that was a lot of work, and so it became an original circuit through it how became, much work they did. It's innovative. Yes. Okay. Uh, it, it was new and it was different. Like how with like Wampler's Tumnus, they were the first clone. That, to my knowledge, that fit in a mini enclosure, that was clearly mm-hmm. original circuit in some capacity or another in, in original engineering. If I'm grabbing a DIY, um, you know, pedal board kind of forum thing circuit, tweaking one capacitor on it and selling it as an original design, that's definitely an issue. Mm-hmm. So well, the 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 hard part about it is is you've got you've got these people who want to do exact copies and mm-hmm. they're ta- and they're making it look bad on the people all right so Brian Wampler people say that he has an amazing ear he can he can find out how something sounds and make and build something to sound just like it he i mean they, all of his pedals that are amps in a box mm-hmm. you've you've got all of these different things that sounds so amazing I mean, at what point would you have to sit there and just say that pretty much everything Brian Wampler did is copying other people? I mean, it's kind of what he's doing, but he's he's putting he's taking a sound. Yeah, he's having to make it. He's engineering his own. Yeah, he's engineering. He's he's taking a sound that he likes, or a sound, and he's like, it should sound like this, and he's engineering it into something. That's re- that's replicating. That's sure. I think that's the difference. If you're now, if you're not engineering, you're not doing anything, and you're just doing a part for part copy, then that's where you, the ethics comes in. That's where you're being unethical, and especially if you're not telling people about it. Like that was, I'm going to bring it up. The JHS issue with the Devi Ever pedals. Mm-hmm. They, there was the argument that Josh, part for part copied. Um, a Devi ever fuzz and that became you know a fuzz that he put out and he was dishonest about it whether that's true whether that's not true whatever Devi ever has her own issues she has to deal with um but it's that's the line that should be drawn in my opinion that's where it goes from cloning to copying definitely it it goes from um to a point where an you know a pedal builder should be somewhat flattered. If I built a pedal, and Brian Wampler wanted to replicate it, I mean, I'd have to get new pants. I'd be so flippant. <laughs> yeah, but that's, the, like, you're you're talking like, as Jonathan Diaz the you're talking about as Jonathan Diaz the one guy, not 
not Diaz pedals and you're trying, you're struggling to move 300 units a year and suddenly Brian Wampler stole your design. You know, that, that's, that's a very different situation that you'd be sitting in. But, but how many of these pedal, how many of these pedal builders are in that situation? Uh, I, I think that's a big part of the Debbie ever Mm -hmm. argument for her. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to. Yeah, I would say I would say at the point in which this happened, Devi Ever was more popular than JHS. Because this was early in Josh's in the JHS history. Yeah, I really want to avoid going down this road. Okay, we're not going to go down this road. Okay. okay. If you guys, if you, if you guys want to hear more about it, you can go visit Adam Dolhanik's, uh blog mm-hmm. that he talks about this and everyone fights on because that's really fun too. But. Yeah, I'm I'm ignorant in this area. I will admit I'm ignorant, and so um, I don't know. I, I've I've seen the, I've seen this argument with a few different builders, um, especially lately. There's there's a few forums where certain builders will say, "Look, this is a clone design," and I'll say, "Prove it," and they'll show me the circuit, and yeah, yeah, it is, and that that seems to happen a bit. Um, and with major builders when they were starting. And I'm not going to name names just because I just don't want to start stuff. Um, but I, I've seen that. And part of it is just from this is the books we learned off of, you know. And Well, Brian Wampler put out a book that's considered like the Bible for um, yeah. pedal builders. How to how to mod and build pedals. Like there, he's been bu- – people have been bugging him to issue it again. I think he's got a digital version out, but I don't think he does uh, hard – like actual hard copy books anymore. Well, it, I, I will make an analogy of how often I will play a lick or a, a riff on guitar and not knowingly, I mean, sometimes, like, I, I don't think it's a John Mayer riff, but I learned playing guitar from learning how to play John Mayer songs so much mm-hmm. that periodically I'll play something and it'll sound John Mary. I don't know if I'm copying him or not. Sometimes it's, it's just a muscle thing. I open so, every service with Thunderstruck, so... Yeah. <laughs> Hold your pick up in the air. The lighting's coming in. Yeah. I can see this now. <laughs> no, I think that's, like... I think that's one of the, the hard parts about the argument is that it's not a black and white issue. And it mm-hmm. really... And honestly, a lot of people are influenced by how much you like the builder. Brian Wampler's a great guy. I'm not saying he yeah. couldn't do any wrong, but it would take a lot for me to sit there and be like, oh, shh. Shame on you, Brian. Or, um, I mean, and then Rick Matthews is a prime example of a guy who openly admits this is a derivative of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's transparency is a big thing that comes into play, too. Which is my yeah, main like, argument. Think about how we, we were talking earlier about the big year woodcutter. Oh, that's the most transparent thing ever. Grant yeah. said, I've got this wood, this, this one woodcutter. That just sounds better than any other one I've ever played. And every time I put a woodcutter out, I want it to sound like that. I've got this rat. Yeah, that was made by the guy who used the name woodcutter. Yeah, when he was signing the pedal for its, like, conformance. Yep. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Because I don't, you know, I don't look at my... I guess rat would be another one we could throw in there with pedals that are very heavily copied. Um... You know, but there's just so many there's but there's only so much you can do. That's like tape delays. And I I think dirt drives are the ones that are the most things are people are most annoyed about 
because yeah. they're I think they're they're honestly so easy to make in compared to other pedals. There's you know, your delay pedals, you've got all these different chips and everything, but whenever you come to drive pedals, that's one of the first pedals that people learn how to make is a fuzz. Because it's the most simplest one. And then you get all these people who they've made three pedals and they know everything there is about making pedals and they mm -hmm. want to call out these big builders. Well, and think That's about how a Roland Space Echo is like a prime example that every delay pedal is trying to emulate. And yes. it's a selling point. Oh, yeah, it can do the Roland Space. Or it can do a or Benson Echo Rec. Or it can do a... You know. the, um, so, looks like the, the, the Full Tone has a direct copy of the uh, uh, Maestro... To, uh, what's that tape echo? I had... The Echoplex. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's the that's the tape echo everyone that and the Roland Space Echo are the ones that everyone's trying to emulate. I mean, how many does it have multi head? Can it do this? You know, that's Yep. But I mean, how many people are out here doing D, you know, DIY echo pedals? Not, Not that many. much. I mean, the look at reverb pedals. Most of those are program, you know, they have to be pro programmed by a computer. You have to buy a certain chip. You have to, you know, that's one thing that uh, I, I watched a video of Rick I, messing with the conductor back before he put it out. And he was, you know, making all these weird noises just by changing stuff in the computer programming of, of a chip. Um, Leon from Pelican Noise Works m started working with programming chips. And it's like, you know, that's stuff that n people don't do at their house. So not a lot of people complain that you know this is a copy of this this is a, a clone of this but all of a sudden you build two dirt pedals and you get on this pedestal and get to tell people what they're doing wrong i'm looking at you the gear page <laughs> <laughs> so you ultimately think that like dirt like people are a little more protective of it because you know they put all their time and energy into it because they had to pick the exact chip that they wanted but yeah. like you said, compared to like delays, you have like five main types, just like you could argue you have types of overdrives or dirt. Yeah. My but everyone main... is like head over heels over dirt. Yeah. My, my main wrapping. So we'll do like a, I'll do my wrap up point. My wrap up point with cloning is, is there's a few parts to it, but the main thing is, is dirt pedals get scrutinized the most because they're the easiest to build in the sense of that's what everyone starts with. They start with a fuzz, they move to overdrive and then they go from there or they start modding pedals and they see the similarities. The, another part of it is, is it's all about the transparency. And if you're, if it's a derivative or a direct copy, those are my three things that I look at when I'm looking at a pedal, I'm going to keep saying, all right, so we'll look at Keely. Keely wants, this pedal is, I mean, he literally has a pedal that is his case, but sounds like his modded version of a BD2. But no one bats an eye at that because he's transparent about it. He's like, no, this is literally a, what a blues driver modded by me sounds like, but it's in my case. And it doesn't right. say boss on it. It doesn't say... Well, and and now it's on a proper circuit board and some of those <laughs> kind of things too. So it's a little more reliable than yeah. cracking open a boss, desoldering stuff and throwing new things in. Yeah. But the whole point is, is it's, 
it's a you know pretty much a copy but he's transparent about it but it is a, it's also a derivative it's not a direct copy so i think that that's those are my three things i look at right so i mean here's one that would be like my argument against it the uh bellwether by walrus Ardio. does everyone know what it's a pretty much of yeah. a copy of mm-hmm. a, a memory man right so why aren't people up in arms about huh you're correct you just had a long pause oh i was i was waiting for i didn't hear anyone agree with me because i could have been wrong but i was, I was about 90 percent sure i was waiting. no no you're 100 percent right okay it is if you put them next to each other they sound even to the point where they have a little bit of noise to them right memory mans are known for having a little bit of noise walrus audio bellwether people i've saw people complain it adds some noise Yes, because it's a copy of a pedal that adds noise to your pedal. They're, I don't think they don't they don't cover up that it's you know, a you know a clone of that, but it's a delay pedal. People aren't making them at their house. They're not throwing a fit. They're not saying, right. "Oh my gosh, I could have built that for twenty dollars," and you know, and it's the same parts as that's in this. Like that's not the the argument. When you start yeah. getting into modulation and stuff like that, people aren't throwing a fit. But if it's a drive pedal that you can build at home. Everyone's on their pedestal, up in arms, throwing shade at everyone. So that's pretty much my opinion on it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll add a component that they are till they aren't. I mean, there's the the King of Tone clones that are out there now. Oh yeah, and like which I own one. Oh yeah, you do. Uh, where people don't. Minister. Yeah, they, people don't seem to have issues with those as much as they do with a like a J rocket archer, for example. Cause you can clone a clone, but you can't clone a clone clone. <laughs> <laughs> My head hurts. Let's end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's thank our sponsor. All right. Well, let's thank uh, Lambert home pickups. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they cloned anyone, but uh, uh, thank you. Lambert home pickups for supporting us. And uh, we will have a demo out of the Lambert the cremas, as soon as I'm able to get a good video of it. So. You could just send me your guitar. And... Oh, yeah. I wonder what the <laughs> shipping on that would be. Too Probably $50. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and we will see you next time. Thanks, all. Bye, guys. Bye.